This episode of Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula is brought to you by Zia Record Exchange. Whether you're a fan of noir or science fiction, Zia provides a haven for culture connoisseurs. If you're looking to perfect your vinyl collection or find every Kurosawa film on DVD, Zia Records can help with their extensive collection of new and used books, records, CDs, DVDs, and merchandise. Whatever your preferred fandom. Zia Record Exchange has something for everyone, from film buffs to bookworms, music aficionados, and collectors of kitsch ephemera. I personally am always looking to expand my Criterion collection or snag a freshly pressed new vinyl record. And, let's be honest, everyone needs a Bjork enamel pin, and Zia's is just the place to make that purchase. For all your media must-haves, head to Zia Records. Locations can be found throughout the Phoenix metro area, as well as Tucson and Las Vegas. Or shop online at ziarecords.com. That's ziarecords.com. And remember to support the businesses that support the arts. I never meant to let this happen. What do you do? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yabya Music and Arts presents Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula. Written by Carly Schwarman and Dale Rasmussen. Original music and sound design by Devin Morris. Executive producers Carly Schwarman and Mark Anderson. Episode 2 Three Lawmen Walk Into a Bar. Nolan? Nolan, I think I... They... And that's when Cherry Cordial's eyes, still frantic but again unseeing, rolled backwards, and she collapsed. The moment had been holding its breath, but as Cherry hit the ground, Salome's exploded into frantic motion. The few servers and courtesans who hadn't been cut for the night started racing toward us. Everyone stop. Stop now. Chewy, Viola, get her upstairs and get Zara. Get her cleaned up. She's hurt, Mr. Stone. She... Do what I said, Viola. We should get a doctor. We should call a medical team, Viola, right? take her upstairs. Get Zara. She'll know what to do. Now, if she says to call the docs in, that's exactly what we'll do. Where's Darius? Still outside, I think. Get him in here. Now. Viola looked like she was about to cry or sock me. I couldn't tell which. But she bent down with one of the other girls, and they each took Cherry under one arm as Chewy the barback raced to bring me my doorman. Cherry whimpered as they hoisted her and marched her toward the stairs, but her eyes didn't open. Again, I marveled at her state. Not only was she streaked with blood, but now I could see her clothes were dirty and torn as well. What had happened to her? What's the matter, Mr. Stone? You wanted to see me. What's the matter? What do you think the matter is, Darius? Did you not see Cherry? Cherry? 
What do you mean? I haven't seen Cherry since last night. What about her? She didn't come past you. No. Is she here? Where is she? She's here, and she's hurt, Darius. You sure she didn't come past you? Of course I remember, Mr. Stone. She didn't come past me. She's hurt? She must have come in through the bolt hole in the coat room. Is she okay? How's that? You said she is hurt. How bad? Is she okay? I thought her ship was supposed to leave. A couple hours ago. Yeah. So what's she still doing here? I honestly don't know. But I think it's time I found out. I left Darius to lock down the floor and took the stairs two at a time. It only took one look to figure out which of the rooms Cherry had been taken to. A crowd of six people was huddled around an open door, whispering and clutching one another. Go on, get out of here, all of you. You're sucking up all her air. What's wrong with him, Mr. Stone? Is she gonna be all right? Get out of here, I said. Get downstairs. There's still streamers on the floor and dishes to be washed, so go do your jobs and let me figure out the answers to your questions. They grumbled about it, but they followed my instructions and drifted sullenly away from the door. Hey, I shouted as they started back. Mum's the word on this. No one else except those of us here know about this, and I want it to stay like that. You got it? They mumbled their assent and continued on their way. I walked in and found Z washing Cherry's face and neck with a cloth and a basin of water. Cherry still wasn't awake and she wasn't much cleaner, but I couldn't help but notice the pinkish tint in the basin already. Zara didn't pause in her ministrations, but she clearly knew I'd come in the room. How is she, Z? Oh, she's fine, Nolan. I'm sure she'll be ready to see a client in a few minutes. Hey. I'm sorry. She... She's not great. Is she going to... She'll live, yeah, but she's in shock. (sighs) What happened to her? I don't know. Not exactly, but I can tell you this much. She's been in a fire. Looking at the sleeping young woman on the bed in front of me, I knew all at once that Z was right. Her clothes weren't dirty. They were covered in ash and soot. I realized at that moment I could smell it, too the faint and acrid tang of smoke coming off of her clothes and hair. As if to confirm the point, Zara gave me a sad look and turned over Cherry's hands. Her palms were a mess of blood and blisters, many broken open. I've always hated seeing burns, and my stomach clenched. Holy hell, Z. A doctor wouldn't be a terrible idea, Nolan. Not until I know why she's here in the first place. You said she'll be all right. Get her bandaged up. I said she wouldn't die, and that's not the same thing. Isn't there someone you can call? Maybe. I... Maybe. Mm. Cherry whimpered again, and her eyelids fluttered, but she didn't stir further. She's going to wake up, and she's likely to wake up screaming. If you're looking to keep this quiet, that won't help. One thing at a time, Z. Let's just... Mr. Stone? Contessa materialized at the door, her eyes wide and nervous, which didn't get better when she saw the prone figure on the bed. Mr. Stone, there's there's someone at the door. We're closed. Tell them we're closed. They can come back. It's Flynn Morgan, Mr. Stone. Flynn knows the hours, Contessa. If you tell him we're closed, he'll be fine. I'm sorry, sir, but he he said he was here on business. I pretended not to notice the look Zara shot me. 
here on business. That's what he said. Did he say anything else? No, but... uh, But what? He didn't look happy. I took stock of the scene in front of me. Cherry, unconscious and injured. Zara staring a hole through me and looking like she was cooking up the mother of all I told you so's to drop on me later. And Contessa, looking for all the worlds like she'd be openly sobbing before the next 30 seconds were out. And now, on top of all of that, Flynn Morgan was downstairs. On business. Just wonderful. Get her cleaned up. Bandage her hands. Contessa, get her something for her pain if she wakes up. I don't know where to get something like that, Mr. Stone. I'd try looking in the box under the mattress in your room that you think I don't know about. I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Stone. I don't have time for the song and dance, Contessa. It's not illegal. We can talk about it later. I don't have anything. Nolan, Flynn Morgan is waiting for you. Contessa, are you going to look under your mattress or am I? But... I, oh, yes, Miss Zara. I left them and bolted back into the hallway. I pulled up short of the stairway to the ground floor where Morgan was waiting and took three deep breaths, willing myself to be calm and casual. I reminded myself that, despite his line of work and the strange events of the last 12 hours, Flynn Morgan was a friend. I put on a smile that I hoped fit my face and sauntered down the stairs with a spring in my step that I didn't feel. Morgan, we had one hell of a night. We're just getting the joint locked up now. I didn't expect to see you skulking back in here till later tonight. To be totally honest, that might be a better time for me. That going away party really took the pain off the walls. It was then I noticed that Flynn wasn't wearing his usual toothy grin, so I ditched my own. He'd obviously been left alone, which was something I'd be generally unforgiving of, but just now I was taking as a blessing, because the last thing I needed was some muscle-headed 19-year-old good-time guy to start mouthing off to Flynn about how the morning had gone at Salome's. Left alone, Morgan had made his way behind the bar, and he looked to be doing a downbeat cover of my nightly song and dance with Winston, as he was just finishing pouring scotch in a rocks glass. There was already another sweating on the bar in front of him. Morgan stopping by in the morning wasn't exactly common, but neither was it unheard of. I'd seen this man stumble in after plenty of benders for a little hair of the dog before heading down to his office in the largest Gaia compact neighborhood on the station, but usually he still carried that annoying chirp around even when he was 48 hours awake. He'd just mix a push into his morning cocktail to get himself there. Today, He looked awful, especially for a guy I knew for a fact had gotten laid the night before. I knew it wasn't a hangover. No one could party like Flynn could party. He didn't carry around any of the things that make a guy old before his time. No wife, no family on the station, just the nine to five and a regular paycheck heavy enough to discourage outside bribes, but not heavy enough to stop them entirely. His job sometimes turned ugly, but for all the muck he worked around, he didn't seem to get much on him or let it bring down his mood. He lived unencumbered and seemed to like it that way, or so I took from the buoyant air he generally carried. Right now, however, 
Flynn Morgan looked like he was left in the airlock during decompression and only saved at the last possible second. He looked like someone rolled him, just after tossing him down a flight of stairs. Hey, Morgan? You alright? <sighs> Sit down, Stone. Like I said, Flynn, there's a lot I need to- I told the girl I was here on business. I guess I was just hoping that was an excuse to let yourself behind the bar. I wish it was. I really wish it was. What's going on? Sometimes my job sucks, Nolan. Well, you're a cop, Flynn. I mean, it's in the Gaia Compact District, so it's not like you're a real cop, but you're cop enough. He chuckled. Or maybe it was more like he grunted, but he didn't smile. Another bad sign. Generally, no one enjoyed jokes at Flynn Morgan's expense more than Flynn himself, especially ones about his job. <laughs> I'm not a cop, Nolan. The men and women who work underneath me are cops. They get to do the worthwhile things like protect and serve. I just get to clean up the shit left behind and deliver bad news. Is this a shit cleaning or a bad news kind of visit? He just looked at me. And I couldn't be sure, but I thought I might have seen a sparkle in one of his eyes. What kind of bad news, Flint? Drink this. He thrust the untouched drink at me with a shove that brooked no argument. I did as I was told. Look, Nolan, I just don't know how to say this. But the Independence in the Tower Sect got a report this morning about a ship that was still berthed hours after her clear departure time. They couldn't raise the captain on the waves. Hell, I guess they didn't even get an answer when they went and banged on the hatches. Well, eventually they cut their way in and they're not sure, but they think that maybe the life support system on the ship malfunctioned and oversaturated the oxygen on the board. The fire could have started anywhere, but it looked like it pretty much went through the whole ship at once. You said a fire. Oh, hell's Nolan. The ship was the Coleridge. No, what ship? The Coleridge. Flynn. She told me that was the ship she was taking. I mean, that's it, isn't it, Nolan? The Coleridge? That's the boat Cherry was taking back to Dahlia. Look, they're all dead. That's why we didn't answer. All of them dead. Flynn, just try to breathe, Look, man. I knew it. I knew she was bound for Falia. She wasn't in the outgoing registry, so I dared the hope that maybe, maybe I got the name wrong. That she was on a different ship, but I knew she was on board. I knew. It's okay, it's okay Flynn. Maybe she never made it to the ship. Maybe she downed too much of that blue champagne in Mr. Board Time. You remember pulling her down off the bar. No, Stone. I saw her head out myself. She was sober enough to manage her luggage. I even... I even went back to her place. But I knew she wouldn't be there. We both know how excited she was to be getting back to her home planet and all those sisters to live a different kind of life again. You know she didn't miss that board time. I finished my drink and poured us another round. Any idea what might have happened? Oh, hell, I don't know. Tower Sect is indie, and I was surprised Wallace let me find out as much as I did. I mean, I'll ask around, but I doubt I'll know more until tonight at the earliest. You know Wallace isn't big on keeping us updated. <laughs> Thinks the whole station should be independent run for any compact districts. Yeah, but no word at all on what happened? The ship's life support should have been linked remotely to station control. There's nothing going around on this? I mean, there hasn't been an accident like this and I don't know how long. The Molting Owl, seven years ago. And that ship <laughs> was so decrepit, the captain renamed her as a joke. Before she was a horned owl. 
I mean, I know we all half expected her to go up one day, but I was still surprised as shit when it happened. For about five minutes. <sighs> the Coleridge, though. You ever see that boat? No, I never did. <sighs> it was nice. You know, real nice. Not sure how a cargo freighter captain actually affords this kind of nice. Watts wouldn't have had a bunk life support plugged in. It just doesn't make any sense. Flynn reached out and snatched the bottle again. I was glad I left the bottle on the countertop. Usually that's not my way of doing things. You come in for a drink outside of our hours of operation and you have enough stroke to talk your way past Darius and through those doors, I'll give you one drink. On the house, even. But that's as far as my hospitality extends, and afterward, you have to go. Not this time. I let Flynn sit there for another drink. His third, unless he'd had one before I'd made it downstairs. But before he moved to pour a fourth, I rose to restore the bottle to its rightful location behind the bar. Winston would still know something had been moved, but when he saw that it was the Parliament Pass Scotch from Celine, he would know that I was the one who had done the tampering and let the matter drop there. Parliament's wasn't my favorite by any stretch, but I liked it enough for a mid-level scotch to share with company in celebration or grief. A more personal celebration would require something from the private selection in my office. Considering I liked Flynn Morgan pretty well and seeing how broke up he was, if I didn't know that Cherry Cordial was alive if not mostly well, hidden in the back room, I probably would have been more inclined to dip into the finest kind. And honestly, if this day didn't improve, I was keeping my options open. Flynn finished his drink and did his best to straighten out his suit. Even though he was from the GC, he liked to dress in the old-fashioned style popular amongst the men of the AEL. Gray button-up vest, purple tie, and polished shoes. I wasn't one to point fingers. My own style had gone AEL years ago, if I'm telling the truth. In my business, part of being the elite is dressing like the elite. And as it stood, the resurgence in old earth fashion was high fashion. We might be 500 years on and a couple hundred thousand light years removed, but for longer than I've been alive, couldn't tell by the way folks dress, especially on the after-earth league planets. As a final touch, he buttoned his coat, straightened his posture, and tried a smile. He might not have the bounce that usually marked every step, but he looked a little more like himself. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I want you to hear it from a friend before Wallace stomps in here. Like I said, Cherry wasn't on the register, but if Yoli finds out, you know your ass is going under the microscope. Anyway, I had to go down to the station. I just want to let you know that you know what? Truth is, I needed some stiff resolve before I could head down to the office today. So thanks for a scotch, Stony. You're a good guy. Don't call me that. But it's no problem. Flynn, if you hear anything, you let me know. Cherry was a good kid. I hate to see anything bad happen to her. I know. Me too. And it goes both ways, yeah? If you hear anything, Nolan, you'll fill me in too, right? Well, I don't know how I'd hear anything. Yeah, well, if you do, you know. Sure, Morgan. We're one big happy family here on Outfar Station.
I nodded to Flynn, who turned and made his way back toward the main entrance. I held to my seat, trying not to watch him go over my shoulder, and hopefully casually finishing my drink. Nothing to see here, Commissioner. Just a perfectly innocent tavern keep doing his level best to embody pensive repose. What I did not want him to see, what happened less than five seconds after I heard him walk out the door, was me slamming my empty glass on the countertop of the bar before moving quickly, but not quite running, to find where Zara had decided to tuck away the mall who somehow missed her flight. I found them where I'd left them, Zara, Contessa, and Cherry. Obviously, Z had pressed Contessa into service, and while she was still leaking tears, she had taken over from Zara, scrubbing Cherry clean. Z, for her part, had produced a roll of gauze and was wrapping Cherry's hands with a gentleness I was more than a little surprised to learn she was capable of. She caught the question in my eyes as soon as I entered the room and glanced to the end table where I saw a small tin with a used syringe and a cotton ball lying like rotting garbage. I forced myself to focus. I don't judge a person for their vices, but some things don't belong in my bar, at least not from my staff. But there'd be time to address the situation with Contessa later. I'd put it off this long. I wrestled my mind into a groove that channeled it in a useful direction. I need to talk to her. Well, that's not happening. I'm not playing, Z. I need some answers, and the only one who can give them to me is that woman. Be that as it may, she's resting. I put a salve on her wounds, and Contessa volunteered her personal stash, so I gave her a pretty heavy dose. She's out. I don't know if we could wake her up if we wanted to, and frankly, that's what I think she needs right now, Nolan. I get that, Zara. I really do. But everyone on the Coleridge is dead, and I need to know what happened on that ship. They're all dead? That's what Morgan said. That's why he came. They all died. In a fire, Zara. And you didn't tell him she was here? No. Why would I? What do you think he's going to do when he finds out she was up here? Well, I think the whole point is to avoid him learning that, right? First we need to know what happened, and then we can figure out what we need to do next. Nolan, you want to tell me what's going on? This girl booked legal passage on a freighter. Something goes wrong there, and now a lot of people are dead, and she's hurt. What's your angle on this? Why are we not calling in the medical division? She didn't wait for help. She didn't go to a doctor. She came here. Hell, she didn't walk through the front door. She came in the back. Maybe she doesn't want us to call a doctor. We don't know what she wants yet. And she might just have been badly injured and not knowing what she was doing. Why assume either way? Why not get someone in here right now who can help her? I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but like you said, there are a lot of people who died in that fire, and our girl didn't. Now, for me, that's enough to tell me that I don't want to put her in front of the authorities until I know what happened. It's real easy to put blame on the last one breathing, and I don't want anyone trying to pin this on her, so I need to know what's going on so I can figure out a next move. And I get that, but Cherry's out cold, and until she wakes up, she can't tell you anything. Well, then we need to wake up. Out of the way, Z. You're the boss, boss. Zara moved aside with a glance that, if looks could kill, would have left me in far worse shape than Cherry Cordial. Hey, kiddo. Oh, I feel terrible, Nolan. I know you do, Cherry. We're trying to get you better. You'll feel better soon. 
You're a sweet man. You're not so bad yourself. What happened, Cherry? What happened on the coal ridge? The coal ridge? The ship. Oh, right, the coal ridge. I went, I went there after the party. What happened, Cherry? <laughs> they all died. They were all dead. I know, Cherry. I, I know they died in the fire, but what No, no, them? not in the fire. They were dead before. Before the fire? They were all dead when I got to the ship. I don't understand. What do you mean they were already dead? Hey, boss. I whipped my head around to see Chewie standing at the door, looking like he couldn't decide whether morose or terrified was the expression that fit his face best. Chewie, I swear to all that is holy unless someone is dying out there, and I mean right now. Malachi Stratford is here. Downstairs, waiting for you right now. He wanted to wait in your office, but Viola managed to get him situated at the bar. Wouldn't take a drink, though. Not even a club soda. (sighs) Just wonderful. If my stars were trying to make this day as excruciating as it could possibly be, Sending Malachi Stratford to my bar was a masterstroke, especially as he was a hassle I don't generally expect. As commissioner of the AEL's peacekeepers on the station, our paths seldom cross professionally, and unlike his Gaia Compact counterpart Morgan, he didn't make a lot of social trips to my bar, and I wasn't exactly shedding any tears over that fact. He didn't make a habit out of coming to places like Salome's, He preferred to be seen in places in the AEL district, where my clientele's money, hell, even my money wouldn't exactly be welcomed, being a proprietor of a brothel in the stockyards. Actually, in Stratford's circle, I'd be less a proprietor and more a pimp or whoremonger. Not to put too fine a point on it, Stratford was a first-rate asshole who came from money and power and everything from his rigid posture to his typical expression, which usually suggested he was smelling something foul, seemed calculated to advertise the quality of his birth. He'd brought his good name to Alpfar Station several years ago, his sights aimed on adding some extra shine to the family crest out here in intergalactic politics, before landing some cushy state job on whatever planet in the After-Earth League offered him the most money and the most prestige. Outfar was nothing more than a way station for him, a stepping stone to bigger and better things. He only deigned to step inside a Salome's when a case brought him here, and the horror show on the Coal Ridge had been down at the docks in Tower Sect, squarely in independent blocks, So what the hell was Malachi Stratford doing in my bar on this day of all days? Now I've never been chummy with coincidence, so I took a long, deep breath to steady myself before I left Zara and Chewie standing in the hallway to go face Commissioner Stratford. I hoped Zara wouldn't see the weight of seven suns pushing against my shoulders as I creaked off toward those stairs. What else could possibly go wrong today? I knew immediately that I'd be sorry that I asked. When I got to the ground floor, I found Stratford right where Chewie had said he would be, sitting at the bar and looking like he was afraid he'd be seen in a place like mine. Never mind that the place was closed and empty. 
Mr. Stone, I apologize for disrupting your morning. I would imagine someone in your business usually retires around this time, so you are refreshed come the evening. Generally the case, but things come up. You gotta be flexible if you're gonna run a business. <laughs> yes, business then. Stratford pulled a rich, red, leather-bound notebook with an ornate engraving I couldn't quite make out from his pocket and flipped open to a dog-eared page. Last night you entertained a customer by the name of Dieter von Jacobson. We entertained half of Aldfar here last night, Commissioner. Now, if you say Mr. Von Jacobson was here, I'm inclined to believe you. But I haven't met him before, and I don't remember meeting him last night. No. Well, you should remember, Mr. Stone, because I know that you have met him. You probably knew him as Dietz. At least that's what we're told he goes by down here. Stratford must live up in the Starlight District if he called the stockyards down here. That was the classic Starlight District condescension. It's like a dialect for the folks who live up there in the upside-down city. They all speak it. Even a lot of the folks who we catered to nightly from up in the starlight. The sneer in Stratford's voice fit his mealy mouth well. He was an old boy of the AEL through and through. Dietz is still carrying around the name his mother gave him, is he? Dieter von Jacobson. Gotta say, the name is a lot more impressive than the man. Anyway, yeah. Dietz came through here last night. He came through. And what time did Von Jacobson leave your establishment? Oh, you got me, Commissioner. It was a busy night. I didn't see him after things got jumping, so I'm going to say no later than 10. And where did he go after he left here? Oh, I don't have the foggiest. Dietz's business is his own. Did it get him in some kind of trouble? Oh, no. He's beyond all trouble now. We found his body shoved into a reclamation unit over in the Cantaquads. You don't say. Yes, I do. And you say the victim was in Salome's last night before his untimely demise. Well, you said it, Commissioner. I just agreed. Like I said, lots of folks were here last night. Yes, Dietz was one of them. He left early. If you found him in the Contaquads, he put a lot of distance between himself and the stockyards after he left here last night. Plenty of space for him to run into all kinds of trouble. It's a long walk through the Tower Sect and a chunk of the Memorial District before he could even get there. Nolan, do, do you mind if I call you that? Are we on a first name basis now, Malachi? Okay, listen, Stone. I don't think you had a hand in his murder. But this would go a lot quicker for the both of us if you didn't act like I'm one of the local yokels here to shake you for information. I'm the AEL Peacekeeping Commissioner, so don't treat me like I'm some first-year beat cop standing here with my dick in my hands. Ah, oh, well, as lovely as that image is, Commissioner. Whatever, Stone, you know what I mean. I know the lay of the station. Dietz came in here looking for something yesterday. I want to know what it was and where you sent him. Listen, Stratford, if you really knew the layout, then you'd know that I don't have anything to give you. You want the facts of the case? Dietz came in here last night, smelling like the sticky end of a punga pig and dressed in a scrubs jumpsuit. Now, guys like that chase away the crowd, so I sent him packing. 
That's all the facts I've got for you. You've got that sign out front. How'd Dietz get through the door if he wasn't up to dress code? Look, I love the guy, but when Darius is on the door, that sign is really more of a suggestion. If you ask him real nice, he'll let any old schlub through those doors, as long as they promise not to make trouble. Indeed. And did Dietz promise not to make trouble? Actually, truth be told, what Dietz did was tell Darius he needed to speak with me. Indeed. But when I caught scent of Dietz, he'd clearly been popping uppers for a solid week. He was in no condition to be out in public, let alone at my bar, so I told him to hit the pavement. I don't have time for junk chains. Indeed. So Dietz came in, you got one look at him, and sent him right back out again. Indeed. That is strange, because we've heard from two people about Mr. Von Jacobson laying a sizable bet on one of your tables last night. Have you? We have. Quite sizable. 10,000 kopecks. Moreover, it seems he decided he didn't like the odds because we hear he took off running before the wheel even stopped spinning. Honestly, I'm not sure which is more surprising, that someone like Dietz had 10,000 in his pocket, or that he'd just walk away and leave it on your table. That is pretty strange, wouldn't you say? You didn't notice that particular event? Junk chains do crazy shit all the time. Even up in the Starlight District, you must see enough of that. I just heard that story about the magistrate from Nomos that killed his entire family after inhaling some bad poppers at Josie's. Your chem fiends go big up there, I'll give you guys that. Mm, clever, Stone. Want to see me be clever? Dietz abandons 10,000 kopecks on your table and is dead before sunup. I've got a hunch you know a lot more about the pieces in this puzzle than you're letting on. Does that strike you as clever enough? Now are you going to help me, or are you going to make me dig it out of you? The first way's a lot easier for both of us, Nolan. Sorry, Malachi, but I've got nothing, and so you've got nothing. Deeds was perpetually dumb and high. That's a potent mix, and you know it. However it plays out, that ain't on me. Even as I said the words, I found myself on the verge of an unspoken prayer that they would hold true. But it was coincidence and nothing more connecting Dietz and the burned girl upstairs. But whether it was or it wasn't, Stratford had no warrant, no actual evidence, and therefore no leg to stand on. He wasn't here to drink, which was handy as we weren't open, so as far as I saw it, our time together had come to an end. I stood up, and Stratford took the hint and did likewise. But before he walked back out of Solomay's, he made one last play. I'm a good person to keep on the good side of, Stone. You'd do well to keep that in mind. Last time I checked, this was an independent district on an independent space station, and you ought to keep that in mind. You don't get to threaten me, Stratford, unless Wallace backs your play with an indie-stamped warrant, save the blustering for people in your own districts, where you've got some bite to go with your bark. No threat intended, Stone. I was just making an observation. 
As far as my investigation goes, we can play it your way. For now. He turned on a shiny, sharp-edged heel and walked away. I didn't wait to get the all-clear from the door telling me Malachi Stratford had left the building. There was no reason for him to stick around. If I had any feelings at all about Dietz shuffling off his mortal coil, they ought to have been ones of relief. The knot growing in my stomach, however, didn't particularly feel like relief. Stratford's visit had left me feeling sucker-punched. Deciding that I wasn't going to feel better standing in the middle of an empty dining room, I decided to try my luck at getting some answers upstairs again. I went upstairs and found Zara sitting quietly beside Cherry, gently brushing away the red curl sweat plaster to the younger woman's forehead. Contessa had taken the opportunity to rabbit, it seemed. Z glanced up at me as I entered the room, and I didn't like the way her shoulders clenched. She's finally good and out, Nolan. Then wake her up. There's no way- No, Zara. Not a request. Wake her up. I need to talk to her, and I mean right now. She really- Don't even start, Z. Now, I can appreciate that your mother hen upstairs, but I own the coop, and I am just about done with the mothering today. Z's eyes flashed, and I knew there'd be hell to pay later, but Zara's temper could be assuaged. The voice in my head shouting that Cherry had the answers I needed to get a handle on this rapidly unspooling situation wasn't going to be. I moved to the bedside. Cherry, wake up. Jesus, how much did you give her? Enough to get her to sleep. That was the idea. Go get the kit from my safe. Come on, Nolan. You can't start mixing stims in with- Get my kit? Zara, thank you. Ten minutes later, the fog was lifting from Cherry's green eyes. I always keep a few metabolic tabs in the safe. Good insurance for those times when you need to get someone back to sober faster than the normal metabolization rate would allot for. Guaranteed to cause one hell of a headache, and as an occasional bonus, vomiting. Usually, my perspective is that if you get yourself out of hand enough on the intoxicant front to require the administration of such a tablet, the side effects are probably you getting what you're due. Not this time, though. This was another stone in the heap piled unfairly on Cherry. She moaned and brought her hands to clutch at either side of her head. Uh, Nolan? See, shut the door, will you? Hey, kid. Sorry about that ice pick between your eyes. It won't be long. I promise we'll get you back to your beauty sleep real fast, darling. But first, I need you to tell me what happened on the Coleridge. I don't feel good. <laughs> I uh... I know you've been through the seven levels of hell, but I just need you to do this one thing for me and you can sleep again. Okay. Sit up for me, will you? That's it. Just stay with me a few minutes. That's all I need. Tell me what happened when you went to meet the ship. Uh, I, I, I was heading over to the ship. It was so early, the corridor was almost empty. I might have been the only one on that level. I was running a little bit behind. I 
I got out later than I meant to, but I wasn't more than 20 M's behind. Captain Watts told me the ship wouldn't be leaving until half past. When I got to the coal ridge, the, the cargo hatch was open, but I didn't see anyone, not at first. I walked onto the ship. I didn't think anything was wrong. I just, I thought everyone was getting ready for departure. My luggage was all sent over earlier, and I saw one of my chests sitting on the floor of the cargo room. So I knew I was in the right place, and I figured they'd, they'd pretty much loaded up all the cargo. But when I opened the hatch at the back of the room, it, it was terrible. There were bodies on the floor, and they, they were shredded. Limbs and blood, so much blood. It was everywhere. It was, it was on the ceiling, Nolan. I was, I was already halfway through the door, and I couldn't stop myself. I fell, I fell down with them, and I saw Captain Watts. Just his head, and his eyes were still open, and it was like he was looking. It's kind of a blur after that. I got up and I, I tried to run away from the ship. I, I know I made it out of the cargo space. I think I was running towards the tower lift when I heard a sharp crack and then a boom. Something crashed into my back and I, I, I don't know, I, I blacked out, I guess. I don't know how long I was laying there, but I think it was, it was happening fast. Faster than it felt. It was hard to think and and my hands and my head hurt. It smelled like smoke. I think there was an explosion. I just... I didn't know what to do. I guess I, I took the lift to the street and, and went down to the under levels and cut through the lower district and came up near the horn because I remember... I remember being outside that museum there. You know the one? Yeah, I know it, Jerry. The one with all the stuff from Earth. Yeah, 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 that one. I I wasn't doing well. I'd, I'd kind of come back to myself here and there, but I couldn't keep a train of thought. I realized I wasn't too far from the stockyard, so I crossed through the alleys until I wound up behind Salome's and came in through the bolt hole in the coat closet. That was smart, Cherry. Real smart. They were dead, Stone. They were all dead. But you're not. You're safe. I'm just glad you got back to us safe. What the hell? Mr. Stone, I'm so sorry to bug you, but we got another visitor. You can't be serious. I really wish I wasn't. Commissioner Wallace is waiting for you. There's just no way. She seems mad. She's always mad, Chewy. Damn, this is all I need. She's down in the bar? Um, no. She said she'd wait for you in your office. And you let her up? She insisted. I managed to avoid taking my frustrations out on Chewy's face, which was good because I had a lot of frustration this morning and also because it wasn't the kid's fault. Yoli Wallace insisting on her own way and intimidating a teenaged waiter wasn't even a little difficult to visualize. I nodded to Zara, putting Cherry back into her protective custody 
and got a withering glare in response. I closed the door behind me and made my way to my office, where I found Wallace looking around with an expression like she was trying to find the source of an odor. Commissioner Wallace, certainly didn't expect to see you here today. No, I suppose people like you never expect trouble to catch up with them. Truth is, in another life, I might have liked Yoli Wallace. Now, unfortunately for me, Commissioner Wallace of the Coalition of Independent Planets and Outposts was a real hard-ass once you got on her bad side, and I'd managed to do that about eight years back. Ever since, she's been itching to scratch me off this station. Ordinarily, I wouldn't sweat it. In my line of work, you make enemies, sometimes even smart, capable ones. Problem comes in because of all the lawmen that patrol this station, Wallace is not only the one with the best chance of rooting me out, but also the jurisdiction to do something about it. If, that is, she can get me on some sort of charge that sticks. Now, thankfully, vendetta or no, Yoli Wallace can't make up the rules. She has to enforce the ones already in play, and the Indy Coalition is pretty lax when it comes to rulemaking. That's why I chose their territories to plant my roots with Salome's. Wallace wouldn't have an ethical problem with coming around just to ruin my morning, but she wouldn't waste the time on it if she didn't think she could benefit. So if she was here now, she had something, or thought she did. I had no idea what that might be, and I was quickly reaching a point of too tired to waste time trying to guess. Listen, Wallace, I'm all out of banner today. If you've got something to say, spill it. I don't have the time or energy to tango. Always so clever, aren't you? Well, I didn't come here to dance with you, Stone. And I don't want to look at that ugly mug of yours any longer than I have to. I'm assuming you heard that little rat Dietz finally stopped being an unnecessary draw on station life support from your buddy in the GC. Wrong again, Wallace. Actually got that piece of news from your colleague in the AEL. Six to one, half a dozen to the other. Now, a known criminal goes cold, I don't raise an eyebrow. But on top of that, I got a dead guy in an alley who comes up as a registered courier Pinkerton without whatever or whoever he was supposed to be looking after. Add in a transport ship explosion that just so happened to be carrying one of your employees in the same morning, and I start to see dots to connect. All these points lead back to one place, Stone, and it's the same place I heard Dietz lay down a 10K chip and walked away before the number landed. It's only a matter of time before I draw the line that links you with those bodies. So I... One-time offer. I suggest you start looking to jump station now while you still have a chance. It can't be a one-time offer when you made it before. And this isn't our first go-round, Wallace. Someone gets a cold in the stockyards, you come around thinking I'm trafficking in biochem weapons. Don't get me wrong. It's a little flattering that every time you've got a mess you can't figure out how to clean up, you assume I made it. But I've told you before, I'm not that devious, Commissioner. And truth be told, I'm getting just a little tired of playing the role of your own personal Moriarty. Wallace stood there only a moment longer with a smug twist to her mouth before she turned heel and marched out the way she came. I stood at my office window and watched as she crossed the dining room floor below me and out the front doors, careful not to touch anything unnecessarily along the way though I couldn't be sure if it was just her superiority or if she was trying to avoid contaminating the crime scene. When she was gone, 
I hustled back to Cherry's room and found Zara waiting for me, leaning back against the outside of a closed door. What's going on, Nolan? Yoli smells a rat. Dog bites man. You're not being straight with me. No, no, I'm not. Not right now, but not because I'm trying to hide things from you, but because you want to ask questions I don't have the time to answer right now. There's nothing to worry about? Okay, broad strokes. Dietz made the 10K wager last night for Watts' name. He was looking to move something to a guy on Thalia. I knew Watts was going anyway. Why 10,000 then? Because I think Dietz had rolled a courier carrying for the syndicate. What did he have? I don't know. Stone? Z, it's true. I don't know. Now, I guessed it was Kems, and Dietz didn't correct me, but I don't know for sure. Now, it was in this box. It looked nice enough for the Premier Chancellor's wife to store his balls in. I know it was high-end, I know it was hotter than a solar corona, and I knew that he was desperate to get rid of it before the pinks rolled over him. So I made the deal. Gave him the name. Is that why everyone on the Coleridge is dead? Did you point them at the ship you knew Cherry would be on? Z was nice enough to phrase it like a question instead of smashing me over the head with the accusation. But she was right. Maybe Wallace was right, too. Maybe this was the mistake that ended things for me at Althfar Station. But by my count, I still had a hand to play. Look, Zara, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this was all my fault. But Dietz, the guy who stole the box, is dead. And, well, you know what they say about dead men and tale-telling, so the same could be said of Watts, the guy who took the box from Dietz. Now, we might have worked together for years, but his stories are gone now, too. And if they got Dietz and they got Watts, they got their box. There's nothing left to tie me to whatever Dietz got mixed up in. Now, this was bloody, loud, and stupid, and I hate that Cherry got hurt mixed up in it, but it's over, and we all lived through it. Now, all we have to do is deal with one shell-shocked woman who, once the fear in the chems fade, should feel awfully lucky to be alive. You're sure? No deets, no watts, no box. I'm sure. Now, are you going to let me in there so I can see how she's doing? Zara didn't look entirely convinced, and she certainly didn't look pleased. But she wasn't staring daggers through me anymore, either. Come on in. Feeling better now? Mm, much. Zara had obviously given her another taste of the cocktail of narcotics Contessa had whipped up, and it seemed to be doing its magic. Cherry was chemically calm and resting. Her wounds, salved and bandaged, would begin quickly mending. The scars, physical and otherwise, would fade with time. For now, I just had to figure out what to do with her. Nolan, I... No need to talk right now, sweets. You gotta rest. I I need my things. I must have left them behind. Your chest probably went up with the ship, Cherry. I'm sorry. We can worry about that later. No, no, no. The bags I carried... The ones with my money and my blue satin dress, that bag, and and the one that Dietz gave me with the box in it. That blue satin dress is my favorite. Someone could steal it. We have to get it. Suddenly, I felt like I'd had a taste of Contessa's needle myself, because the world faded and receded away as I tried to piece together what Cherry was saying. 
world retreated until all was blackness but for the sight of Cherry, who seemed to be at the end of an impossibly long tunnel. All sound faded but the frenzied, panicked thrum of the blood in my ears. I felt my consciousness walking a tightrope over something very deep and very dark and very cold. It was Zara who shattered the silence into an infinity of fragile shards, because when she spoke up, her voice was a smashing hammer of fury. What the hell does she mean about a box, Nolan? She said Dietz gave her the box. If whoever was looking didn't find it, where the hell is that box, Nolan? Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula. Episode 2. Three Lawmen Walk Into a Bar. Produced by Yabium Music and Arts. Directed by Dale Rasmussen. Executive Producers Carly Shorman and Mark Anderson. Written by Carly Shorman and Dale Rasmussen. Sound design and original music by Devin Morris. Audio engineering by Devin Morris and Mark Anderson. Featuring Anna Caton, Austin Campbell, Ashley Naftool, Amy Blackwell, Sean Collins, Amanda Sever, Brooks Cox, Lance Mascarenas, Jennifer Salazar Lowe, and Dale Rasmussen. Tune in next week for another exciting installment of Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula. <laughs>